on the official home of the Canucks. Tiki Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back. Bick Nazar, Craig McEwen, Bick and the Boss. Here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I'm going to talk to Yannick Hansen in just a minute. Uh, We'll throw the question about him. Size down the middle. More important, did you get a good player or do you need that size down the middle? Uh, But as we talked about uh, heading to break here, I I wanted to play a bit of a, a, a name game. Uh, I'll, I'll throw some hefty centers your way, C-Mac, and if they pique your interest. Now, some of these guys are uh, trade candidates. Some of them are UFA candidates. So if that plays a role into your decision-making of, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in them or I'm not interested in them, uh, you can mention that as well. Uh, but, uh, Greg, do we have some, uh, some uh, I don't know, uh, campy music or something here to, to go with our hefty conversation? Yeah, I mean, this will do. This will do. All right. Lower it a bit, though. I can barely hear C-Mac. C-Mac, here we go. Yeah, okay. Just some names, and I'll give you the size of the player as well, and and maybe you're interested. Logan Brown, he's 6'6", 208 pounds, high draft pick for the Ottawa Senators. Never really uh, amounted to anything. He's got like 30 NHL games. (laughs) <laughs> There's a sell job for me. Never amounted to anything, but do you want him? <laughs> hey, look, uh, no. I mean, look, we're going on like third line centers here. Y- yeah, no, I'm 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 not going there. All right. Uh, what about Eric Stahl? Yes. All right. Six foot four. Six foot four. Uh, Nick Roy uh, from Vegas Golden Knights again. Six foot four. Or sorry, I should say Nicholas. His full name. Uh, Two hundred and five pounds. He, you got to trade for him, but is that is, is, you know we saw him with the Vegas Golden Knights. Is that something that interests you? I would be interested in him after watching what he's been able to do. That that's someone that you could target and and possibly swing a, a deal, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say yes. Ryan Getzlaff. Yes, uh, but Getzlaff's not coming here. He's, yeah, he's going to go somewhere say, else. Yeah. But I'll say yes. Uh, what about Ryan Johansson? Now it's a big ticket. From Nashville. Hmm. Local guy. I mean, you'd love those narratives back in the day that the the Canucks bringing home, you know, the Courtnell Ronning, those those BC boys. But I'm going to take a pass. Yeah, that one probably checks out for me. (laughs) Yeah, that one checks out for me, too. Uh, Charlie Coyle, 6'3", 213 in that range from Boston. No, Bruin. Not doing it. You're out on all Bruins? <laughs> okay, well, like, Sean Corrales is another name that, that, that's on my list here. Six foot two, two thirteen is an unrestricted free agent. Does that meet your uh, criteria? That, so, okay, I'll, I'll uh, any Bruin I'm out on except for Corrales. I'd, I'd, take, a free a, I'd take, a, take a shot of that, yes. Just because he's a free agent or just because you like his game? Uh, both, both. Uh, all right, what about Lars Eller? Stanley Cup winning goal for Lars Eller? Six foot two? Uh, no, not going there. No. Why? Why would you go there? What are you thinking with Lars Eller? I don't know. I just I, I'm looking for third line centers. He's he's been a responsible <laughs> player. He scored yeah. he scored a cup winning goal. Another Washington guy. We need need more of them here in Vancouver. Yeah, more more capitals. Holtby, yes. Beagle, Schmitz. West. Yeah. Let's, let's get one more. Uh, Thomas Nosick. Six foot two. 
Uh, and this one, uh, Andrew Kopp out of Winnipeg. I, I know you were like all the Winnipeg guys. I Lowry, do. Lowry, Kopp, Appleton. Yes. Yep, yep. So, so you're all in on Andrew Kopp as well. Oh, It'd be yes, interesting 100%. for them too because yes. um, he's slated to get protected right now in the expansion draft. But they have some interesting decisions because uh, apparently Elliot Friedman in the 31 Thoughts podcast, which just got uh, released uh, this morning, um, saying, hey, there's potential if they can't come to a contract here. Uh, that's something they, they, they look to explore, uh, perhaps moving Andrew Kopp. But you think of, hey, they got Mason Appleton, they got Logan Stanley. They got some decisions to make there in Winnipeg, uh, some tough, tough decisions prior to the expansion list. Uh, let's do a, a couple of more names here while we wait for uh, Yannick Hansen to join us. Um, size here. Okay, Derek Grant, you'd have to trade for him from, from Anaheim, but 6'3". Yeah, I, I'm in on the Grant train. Yes, I am. And I, I talked about, you know, you can't always have local kids come home, but I, I'm in on the Grant train. Well, he's, he's just like a responsible, you know, I, I think third line might be a bit high, but still uh, a, a big body. And uh, finally, I saved this one for the last one because okay. I know everyone, because everyone's going to know the connection. But he's six foot four, 212 pounds. You got to acquire him from, from Pittsburgh. But Mark Jankowski. You know the old uh, first round draft pick, the old John Weisbrot connection is—is is that something? Hmm. Interesting. I'm—I'm I'm gonna say no. I'm not going there. You're out. You're out. All right. Well, that's our uh, mini name game of hefty centers uh, that we run through uh, a bunch of guys. Uh, C-Mac, with his judgment, some of them he said yes to, one of them he said no to, and I want to throw that name by. Uh, uh, our next guest here, Yannick Hansen, uh, who's a tremendous Danish hockey player. C-Mac didn't want Lars Eller on the Vancouver Canucks, uh, uh, Yannick. Can you can you take him to task over this? Uh, Lars is uh, a very good friend of mine, but uh, <laughs> I'd have to agree with him there that uh, he doesn't fit the bill as to what the Canucks need, uh, need going forward. Uh, if you're in a win-right-now scenario, great i take him in a in a second um for more reasons than than the obvious ones but um i know he he's uh he's a bit too old uh so i i'd like to see a younger one coming thank you yannick yes see bick i told you i'm not always wrong hey look i'm not uh, always wrong we're trying to follow this criteria because the canucks are rumored to be looking for size down the middle the, the term was heft down the middle, so I'm looking at guys that are you know six one, six two, and you know in and around 195 to 210 pounds. And Lars Eller fits the bill, and I think third line center, Stanley Cup winning goal, responsible player. Why not? Why not? Yeah, you're missing one number though. That's the the the, the year they're born. Uh, that that kind of <laughs> needs to uh, to align too in order to make this work. Uh, so I think uh, yeah, you you do want some of those things you're mentioning, but. Uh, Again, age is coming into a factor here. Again, when are we wanting to compete? Uh, uh, and again, hopefully a centerman you're bringing in that can grow with this team, not just this year and they go find a, a new one two years down the line. No, somebody who can who can grow with this group, become part of the core, hopefully. Um, so they start to build some, some chemistry, some friendships, uh, all these little things that goes uh, a long way uh, when, uh, when push comes to shove. 
When you hear, Yannick, the, the talk of heft or size, and hey, everyone, it doesn't seem to matter what the sport is. Everyone wants the biggest, fastest, the strongest. But but in hockey, big isn't always better, is it? No, no, it isn't. Uh, but if you have two players that are identical, identically uh, on skill, skating, uh, you name it, but one is uh, six foot three and the other is five foot nine, who, who do you take? Um, there's there's no question about that so it is about finding the right fit um but but the player abilities have to align too it, it's not just a matter of going out and finding the biggest uh, biggest player you can find no they have to be able to do the things that the smaller guys can do otherwise they'll skate circles around them um but again you need to build a team you can't just uh, one one fits all kind of thing here you, you got to have a little bit of everything and the Canucks do have smaller skilled players that's why we're talking about size they need something to complement that something to uh to add so they're not getting pushed around when push comes to shove um where right now when we're playing regular season it's not that evident but i'm pretty sure if we're going to go into a, a, a playoff series and you're going to look at a vancouver team and if changes haven't been made it's like okay this is a team we can intimidate if we get in peterson's head quinn hughes face Who's going to respond? Who's going to who's going to come out and uh, and make their lives a little bit easier on their end? And right now, it, it's hard to find find a couple of those guys that can do that. Yeah, there is here and there, but but we they could use a little bit more. So one of the worries I have when I hear this term of a you know getting a big guy down the middle, and we've seen players in Vancouver, you know Brandon Sutter, Jay Beagle, you know Tyler Gravax a tall guy, Zach McEwen's a tall guy, and it, it hasn't really worked out. And I, I think a lot of people's worry is, is it a big guy that can you know also contribute offensively, or is it just a big guy that's meant to be a shutdown that hasn't worked quite out in Vancouver yet? And I feel like if they go down the road of the second path. We're kind of just doing the same thing all over again. But just to give credence to the idea of a shutdown center, like what's the value of having a guy that's bigger in that sense? Like where, where do you feel it impacts the most when you're, when you're playing against guys that are that big? Well, it's not necessarily the biggest guy. Like I said before, you mentioned a couple of guys on the roster right now. And McEwen is not somebody I'd put in the same uh, – same, same booth as Sutter and, and Greylock because I don't know if you guys remember back to the Winnipeg uh, game they played I think it was back to back where uh, Hoaglander got roughed around a little bit next game uh, Sack jumps over the board and settles a score there you look at the bench and they go three feet um, so it, it's a matter of having a response um, now in terms of, of shutdown centers what I'm thinking of like you're thinking of a guy who can hold their own he doesn't have to uh, like you met, I'm sure you guys have talked about Philip Deneau. Um mm-hmm. I'd like a player that can play that role, but but he needs to contribute as well. Um, Deneau did not have that much contribution in the in the run for Montreal. I think he scored once. Um, and like my fear is also Vancouver going out again, a guy like that that doesn't contribute that much offensively, but great shutdown. Well, shutdown doesn't really matter that much if you're not right at the top. Because um, yeah, for Montreal it was great. You play them out against uh, Toronto, shut down those guys. Um, but Vancouver needs needs a little bit more help. So so again, going back to to the type of players, they're hard to find. But a little size help because when push comes to shove, 
you don't have to worry about getting caught in your own end. You don't have to worry about if it's a, a rough and tumble game. And these guys do tend to play a little bit more in their own end. So you do like them to be able to move the big guys in front of the net, whether they're playing against uh, Kachuk, Simmons, uh, Lucic, you, you name it, those guys where you're, you're, you're stuck in your own end. And these are the guys you're seeing in front of the net. Then, then you don't want a, a small guy to, to be your defensive ace, if you will. And, and building on that a bit, Yannick, you talk about, you know, being a shutdown guy, but also the Canucks need someone who can, you know, contribute offensively. That driving play and the ability to keep those better lines in their own end for longer periods to tire them out a little bit so they're just not cycling around in your own end is, is also a key factor, is it not, when it comes to looking at solid third-line guys that, hey, they're not going to score like your top six, but if they spend some time in their end, that, that's time spent not in your own end defending. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to mention a couple of guys, and they're obviously easy, like Tampa right now, they have a, a Yanni Gord. He, he's not the biggest guy, um, but, but he does that job very well. Tampa can throw him out against anybody, hold their own, contribute offensively, play defensively. Another guy, and I know he's not a big favorite here in in Vancouver, myself including, is Kadri. He, he's the type of player who holds his own. Who is uh, uh, if if you have him in your in your third line, you're you're, you're off pretty well in, in terms of of a player who can hold their own, um, contribute offensively. So so those are the type of players, not necessarily. Uh, the biggest guys, but but they don't shy away from the physical part of the game. Um, contribute offensively, not liability defensively. Kill penalties, face off, all, all these little things where you're starting to to check the boxes off. And again, not a six foot six guy who is just tough and can fight. No, no, it, it it's a package. Um, and away you playing a little bit above your your size as well. Yannick Hansen joining us, longtime NHLer and Vancouver Canuck here on Bick and the Boss. Uh, I'm sure you saw the news today: Ryan Suter and Zach Parise getting bought out by the Minnesota Wild. How like, I'm stunned because these are contracts that you thought, oh, are they massive deals. I, I I remember like when they were first signed. It's like here we go, big money in free agency. How stunned were you to see that today? Yeah, it looks like they're gonna pay my boy Kaprizov now. Uh, <laughs> look like the. Yeah. The only saving they're getting is this year, and then he's needing a new deal. So, no, it's one of those things when they signed those uh, deals, what is it, nine years ago now, you're like, oh, yeah, they, they might look ugly down the line. But, again, going going back to one of those, uh, like like Suter, he, he's looking, uh, that's, that's looking like um, a Duncan Keith right now, uh, similar kind of points, similar kind of minutes. Uh, uh, he, he's a guy you can probably expect to to get the same treatment now as like this Bessa, Jumbo, uh, those kind of guys like where a team will bring them on to kind of show the way. Um, where where Parisa, he, he looks like he, he's uh, he's over the hell, hill a little bit more. Um, so again, it's a, it's a young man's league right now. And those guys were, uh, they were really, really good in Minnesota for pretty much all the years I was playing against them. Um, but obviously now... Uh, Fresh blood has come in, so you you gotta make the the changes. Um, it also solves the um, the expansion draft for Minnesota. I think now they don't have to worry about Dumba. I believe um, uh, being the third uh, third guy there, they can protect. So there there's probably a lot of things that goes into that, other than than just the, the savings they get in year one. And and when you mentioned Suter, who could probably still help a team. 
in his situation where he's out in his career, Yannick, it's it's a matter, isn't it, now of him sizing up probably which team has the best opportunity to win a cup, and that's where he's going to go and give maybe a, a discount in the sense of you you're at the end of the line and, and you want to 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 win something. But I'll say, how difficult is it? Because there are no guarantees to kind of go, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I like this team. I don't like, you know, because there's no there's no right or wrong answer because you just don't know who's going to win the cup from year to year. No, exactly. It is. It is like you said. Uh, you, you're going to look at the rosters now, and like if again, family comes into everything. But again, if you're Ryan Suter and you want to win. Um, you're probably going to look at Tampa and say, hey, Tampa's going to lose a defenseman or two because they have too many. I can go in there and play on a minimum deal and pick up the role of probably whoever they, they're, they're letting go there. Um, but again, like a lot of things goes into it, and, and he can still he can still play. I remember when we covered the, the Vancouver series last year against Minnesota, and he, he was one of the guys you're, you're singling out that's playing a ton of minutes, uh, He's obviously not the same offensive force anymore, anymore, but but he doesn't have to be anymore if he's looking for those type of uh, uh, that type of deal where it's it's obviously not about the money anymore for him. It's about winning. Um, so your your pickings gets a little bit easier, if you will, um, where you're just coming in to contribute what you can do, and you don't have to worry about oh, I want four years at so and so and and all these things. So, no, he'll he'll probably have a couple of suitors, if you will, to, to come help uh, a couple of teams. How, uh, like, alarming is that when, you know, like, you try to be a team and, and all this sort of stuff and, and a guy gets bought out, especially at this magnitude, you know, what do you think that does for the Minnesota Wild Room? It, it, it clearly a, a shift in era, I guess, to some degree as well. Yeah, I, I think the first, uh, first domino was probably when they started healthy scratching, um, uh, Parise, who was uh, obviously been their their captain and all all these things, but but again, it's it, guys know this is coming. Uh, they they can see the writing on the wall. They're like, okay, uh, there's a, a plethora of young players coming in here, taking over the the important roles, the minutes. Uh, we we can't have have two old guys running around making all the money. Uh, but when push comes to shove, they're 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 sitting either in the press box or on the bench. No, you you need the guys you're paying to be the one on the ice making the the important plays, the decisions towards the end of the game. And and it's just a matter of uh, Minnesota took advantage of um, of some rules back in the day, assigned some very long deals in order to keep the the cap hits low. And now they're gonna they're gonna pay the price a little bit um, the next couple of years. Um, uh, but so be it. We've talked a bit about Duncan Keith before, but Yannick, it finally goes down the deal to Edmonton. And today, you know, Kenny Holland is is quizzed about it, talks about it. And, and, you know, you hear him talk about character and the Stanley Cup pedigree. And listen, the Red Wings had success in bringing in some older defensemen that, that had that sort of thing. But how important is that? We always hear good in the room and, and the average fan laughs. Like, what exactly does that mean? But in Keith's case, that he he's won three cups, he's, you know, Norris trophies, Olympic gold medals. For a team like Edmonton, is is this a huge gamble or is this what is the missing piece for them moving forward? 
It's a gamble. There, there's no question about that. Uh, I think I was asked about this earlier too, and, and I said I, I, I wouldn't mind him in, in Edmonton. I, I'd hope they'd retain some uh, some kind of salary. Um, they didn't, and that's that's probably the only only thing I don't like about it. Um, he he didn't have a, a great season offensively last year. A um, little bit of a of a, a liability um, defensively. I think I've been reading my way to. Uh, you know who else had those labels on him? Tyson Berry. Um, he put up pretty good numbers in Edmonton. I'm assuming Keith's going to go in and get a lot of those PP minutes probably as well with uh, with McDavid and uh, and Drysaddle. That that should help. That uh, you, you move the puck forward, uh, make the easy pass, which is not something you lose. Um, you might lose your hustle, your your foot speed, but but the smarts doesn't really go away. Um, so, so if he can be successful in transitioning the puck out of the Edmonton zone end, because that have been their their issues, getting out, getting the puck up to the to the forwards where all their skill is, um, they'll be they'll be better for it. And another thing is like something has to happen in Edmonton. Like they've uh, they've tried a lot of things, they've had a lot of good players, um, but but uh, not, nothing has worked for them. So so this is something they haven't tried before. This is something they haven't had before. Um, so, so again, by all means, like I said in the beginning of this, the only thing I don't like it is, is it's at full value. Um, uh, cap space is at a premium, and if he doesn't turn out to be that uh, plus 35, 40-point guy uh, playing 20 minutes, uh, probably second pairing, um, it's, uh, he could turn out to be an anchor. How uh, curious are you what's going to happen these next uh, couple of days here before the expansion protection list? Uh, you know, we, we saw what happened last time when Vegas came into the league and you know, GMs were very loose with their trades and you know, Vegas obviously was a big beneficiary of that. And it feels like it's swinging the other way. What do you expect to see these next uh, couple of days? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we'll see the same. I think there's a little bit of animosity towards Vegas. Like they've been so fortunate these first what is it four or five years now? Uh, Stanley Cup Finals, Conference Finals, uh, you, you name it. So I think a lot of it will will be divided a little bit more evenly this year. Um, so other teams will be able to pick up. Uh, you're already starting to see that this the small dominoes here. Uh, the buyouts and all these things that uh, you didn't really see before where it was just, no, we'll, we'll give you this, this and that. And oh, by the way, you can have this as well. Uh, just don't take that guy. Um, so it'll be, it'll be more down to you, you're losing your one player and then, then you're, you're going to cut your losses at that. Um, where it seemed like uh, Vegas were able to accumulate uh, yeah two, if not three assets uh, from, from a lot of different teams, uh, which I don't think will happen this year. He is Yannick Hansen, longtime NHLer and Vancouver Canuck, joins us here on Bick and the Boss every Tuesday. Yannick, thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Enjoy the weather. Thank you. Absolutely. It's Yannick Hansen. Uh, I, I was expecting to get some more uh, support from Yannick on, on the Lars Eller trade. And, and if memory serves, it, the Yannick backed me about Hoaglander being a third liner too. So great minds, buddy. So what, great minds. scoreboard great minds. for you? Yeah, yep, great minds think alike. Meanwhile, meanwhile, like Nils Hoaglander's had one of the better uh, you know, rookie seasons this year. 5 on 5 production was just awesome. It'll come, don't worry. You guys are too uh too quick to judge you two. 
<laughs> Listen, I might be too quick to judge that guy playing the National Hockey League. I'm going to take his opinion over mine any day of the week. I, I just uh, like the the blind squirrel in the nut. I just got lucky on a couple yeah. of comments. That's great. Uh, a lot of good uh, positive reaction into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, uh, as, as always does at 2 o'clock on uh, Tuesdays, people reacting to what Yannick has to say. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in, though. 650-650. We'll throw your questions by Will Scouch, NHL draft analyst for McKean's, uh, scouching.ca, and also uh, Chasing High Danger podcast. Uh, some coming in already. Uh, send them in and sign them as well so we can uh, credit you when we ask your great questions. To Will Scouch, uh, up next here on Bick and the Boss. Sportsnet 650. Rely on something wimpy or something hefty. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Hefty. Wimpy. Wimpy bags are fine for wimpy jobs, but don't send one to do a hefty job. When the pressure's on, hefty stretches where wimpy bags break. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Want a bag you can rely on? Then don't send a wimpy bag to do a hefty job. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what to say. That's so there, out there of context. You go. You're hefty, hefty, hefty down the middle for the oh, Cucks. Not goodness. wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. I don't even know what day it is now. What? Uh, I'm not so sure. Like my so mind, great. my mind where it goes or things that pop that into my so head. Good. Like how I remembered that commercial from the '80s was beyond me. But I just, I don't, so, I don't know. So, so much bad TV as a kid. So that's a hefty garbage bags is what it is, right? Yeah, that was a hefty garbage bag commercials from the mid '80s. My parents didn't invest in babysitters; they just put me in front of the television. <laughs> Greg, can you play that again? Do we have that? <laughs> All right, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> and that I... and theme songs from like you know Family Ties and all. You know, and I'm not singing again. No, we're not no, going down yeah, that yeah. road. But those, you know, who's the boss? All those sort of um, I, I stuck in my mind for some reason. And yet I... I can't remember the grocery list I'm given when I go up to the store. I, I'm now sitting here just laughing at the idea of like Jim Benning in the you know. At Rogers Arena, planning out the, the what free agents, and it's like Nick Roy, hefty, Cogliano, wimpy, Granlin, <laughs> wimpy, Derek Grant, hefty. Uh, do you remember when EF Hutton talks, people listen, and the, 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 the yeah. silence, the, the hush that would go all over it? Yes. When Jim Benning talks, people listen. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Unreal. Yeah, that's a deep pull for you. Well done. Uh, 650, 650, keep your uh, thoughts coming in. Uh, some questions rolling in already for Will Scouch. We'll talk to him in just a minute. Continue to preview the 2021 NHL draft. Days away, we still got to get through the expansion protection lists and uh, the expansion draft itself. But uh, 10 days away till the NHL entry draft. It just it, it, it gets here before you know it. And I would say, too, C-Mac... The draft day now is the new trade deadline. Yes. Where, you know, we, we expect all these big moves, and we at the end of the day, we're like, uh, all right, it, it was an all right trade deadline day. Now, because of the flexibility of everyone's caps and, you know, money has come off and everything, draft day is probably, I would say, the most exciting transaction day of the year, more so than, you know, traditionally July 1 and the start of free agency. I would say draft day is the day. 
Yeah, when you think about it, it now the trade deadline with all the math that has to go in and the work that has to be put in place to make sure that the numbers align and everything works out. You're right. In the off season, what is it? 10% you can be over the cap or something along those lines and then just get under before the start of the regular season. So there's a lot more flexibility uh, in the sense of what you can do to fix some problems because you have some time during the regular season and, and the trade deadline. You can't, you, you have to get everything in that, that matches up unless of course you're trading for someone who's injured and then you, you can uh, bring that player into the playoffs out of what the Leafs did with the, the jackets. But yeah, bottom line, you're right. We, we saw it here in Vancouver, the JT Miller move. And while I'm not su- suggesting the Canucks are going to uh, take that first round pick that they have and, and trade it, it, it is a possibility. And Ian McIntyre suggested that in some of the great writing he's done for sportsnet.ca recently that it, that it's in play. But this always reminds me a little bit, like Brian Burke was always, like, of course it's in play. You know, we're, we're in on everything, kind of that Seahawks mentality. And then <laughs> Are they really in on everything? I don't know, right. but it sure sounds good when they say it. But you're right. That's This now is kind of when moves can be made and uh, bigger than the trade deadline. Uh, let's talk to uh, our guy, Will Scouch, uh, from scouching.ca, at Scouching on Twitter, YouTube. Uh, does great work, and you can get involved with his shows uh, tomorrow, uh, as he does every Wednesday evening. Uh, and also the Chasing High Danger podcast and McKean's Hockey. Uh, Will, thanks a lot for giving us some time to get again today, 10 days away from the NHL draft. Uh, some questions already rolling in for you uh, into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, we'll, throw, we'll start here. Uh, this one's from Sean in North Van. Uh, would it be possible for one of the Russian players to go in the top eight? And should the Canucks consider one of them as well? I imagine this is because of put Colson and tying it up together. And is there a chance Vechkov could be a, a, a guy that you are interested in in, in the top ten? I think there is something to that. I, I think uh, I think there is you know relationship building between teams in the NHL and teams overseas. You do sometimes see players picked from the same program in subsequent years. I think it's possible. Uh, I mean, if I'm speaking strictly from the Canucks' point of view, and Vasily Podgolzin is a guy that they're really high on, obviously. Um, I mean, SKA has all pretty much they just absorb all the good young Russian players over time. Uh, I mean, and look, if Fyodor Sechkov is a guy who the Vancouver Canucks really like, which I think would be, you know, a reasonable pick in their slot, it might be a bit of a reach, but I think it would be perfectly reasonable. Um, they're going to be teammates next year, or sorry, they would have been had Put Colton not <clears throat> signed his entry level deal. But um, Svechkov's coming over from Lada Togliati, and I think a lot of what held him back in people's eyes was the fact. I mean, I, his team wasn't great, um, and I thought he was a good part of a bad team. And I have him at 13 on my list. Um, but if he were to go a little bit higher, he'd be probably the guy I'd push for. A guy like Nikita Chuberkov, also with the same team. Uh, that that would be a reach to me in that range, even though he had a pretty solid under 18. Um, but Svechkov would be my guy, and I don't think it's completely outlandish, but I think I would be surprised. In in this, too, when you look at it, and again, you know, you you guys are both probably too young to remember this, but when Krutov and Larionov came over, they came over in pairs. And sometimes, you know, Russian players to feel more comfortable when they come into a space or a spot. It's it's almost better to have a, a pair or uh, three of them or something in that line. Do you think when you're on the scouting 
um, trail like the Canucks and they look at that and go, maybe this would help in the transition for both players if there was Russians? Or does that even come into the the evaluation of talent and uh, the partnerships that you try to develop over time through the years? Well, I think, I think, I think I've, you know, just from my sort of big picture viewpoint, I do think it is true that some, not all European players, not just Russians, but I think there's a few, you know, there's, there's quite a few European players who have come over from Europe and they've been on the record about how much of a struggle it can be to adapt to North American culture and North American hockey style and, all that stuff. And if they're kind of on an Island by themselves as say the only Swede or the only young Swede or the only Russian on the team, I mean, we're, we're all people, right? Like I can imagine if I got drafted by some team that played in Russia and when I was 19, they signed me to a contract and I'm the only Canadian that's on the team and I'm still a teenager, you know, that, that, and they send me to the minors, for example, like that could be, a bit of a stressful experience and it could bleed into my play on the ice. But if I had, you know, a friend or a, or a small group of people that I could, you know, engage with and be very comfortable around and, you know, probably maybe learn some Russian on the side if I needed to, then it would make sense uh, that I might, that I might have an easier time. So I don't think in terms of a draft strategy, it's, it's necessary to factor that in. Like I wouldn't go into a draft and say draft all Russians, but I, I run the I, I have the opinion that you can draft you should draft guys from all over the world world but when it comes time to bring them over to North America ideally you'd like to bring them over in batches where you won't have anyone isolated um, because I definitely think that that does eat into things a little bit. Will Scouts joining us? You can follow him online uh, at Scouting Twitter and YouTube. Uh, he does great work uh, with his. Uh, prospect reports. Uh, this one coming in from Claude in Surrey. Send in your questions, 650-650. Um, curious to know how you rank the following players in the draft. So it's Chaz Lucius, Mason McTavis, Kent Johnson, Fabian Lysel, uh, and Dylan Gunther. Okay, so I'll try to keep that straight in my head. I mean, I have Lysel okay. highest. Um, right. he's, in my, he's in my top group. I think he's a great player. Um, you know, he is, I think, a young guy who needs to learn some things to sort of put it all together, both on and off the ice. We'll say that. But when you look at the on ice product, it's all there. He's a great, a great player, I think. And he's got the potential to be something really, really special. I think if he can just, you know, rein in his own insanity, he's a bit of a, of a crazy guy at both ends of the ice, just full on 120% effort. Whether or not that's him trying to earn more minutes in the SHL, I don't, I don't know. But, I mean, I've, I think there's a great player there. Uh, Gunther, I think, is the next guy I mentioned on my list there. Him and McTavish are back-to-back at 10 and 11. I, I think Gunther's a good bet for a sort of solid, complimentary, top-six guy. Really smart, crafty playmaker. You know, a bit of a volume shooter. You know, he can kind of just get a little trigger-happy from time to time. But when he's sort of settled in and processing the game where he's comfortable... I think there's a good player there with Mason McTavish, really well-rounded guy. I, I think he's going to be gone well before Vancouver picks, but I've got him at 11. I could easily see him being a guy that I'd pick as high as eight or, or seven. Um, I, I do like the sort of well-rounded physical, you know, package that he brings the the shot. He's got a bit of a playmaking. He's very heavily improved over the last 365 days, I think. So there's a lot, a lot to like with, with Mason McTavish as well there. Uh, I, forgive me, I forget the rest of the names. Um, Chaz Lucius was in there. Yeah, Chaz uh, Lucius. Uh, I just lost a text message too. Uh, Chaz Lucius and Kent Johnson and uh, Gunther. Right. 
Okay, right. So Johnson is in the same group of players as Gunther and McTavish, just a bit higher. I just think there's a lot of upside there. There's a, he's a good, you know, if you want to work with him and develop him carefully and, and sort of get on his level and sort of bring him along and teach him some stuff, I think he could be a great player. I think it's just sort of he puts restrictions on himself by thinking about things almost too much. So settling in and finding a balance between that skill and just executing plays I think is going to be important. And uh, Chaz Lucius is a guy that I have further back, but I can absolutely see why a team would pick him higher. Um, he's at 20 on my list, but I, I could see him going anywhere between like 12 and 20. Um, I really do think that if you do your medical checks on him and, and he himself is telling teams, like, I never felt 100% this season and I know there's more to give, like, I'd believe him if, if, if that's the case. And if doctors were saying, well, he wasn't, he was good enough to play, but he wasn't 100%. Because I think that his pace was kind of low. His defensive intensity was really low. But the fact of the matter is, he's one of the better finishers out there. He knows where to be at the right time to just tap in easy ones. He knows how to use pockets of space against defenders and sort of navigate the puck in really, really tight quarters and, and just stay comfortable in those really high-pressure scenarios, which I think NHL teams like. Uh, some guys kind of have trouble getting their sticks on the puck when they're under a lot of pressure. Uh, but but he's the guy who does it, and he generates a lot of chances that way. So in terms of data offensively, a lot of it is right there with Lucius. I'm not sure he's a center in the NHL, but I could easily see him being a guy that can be a scoring threat in a, in a bunch of different scenarios for sure. Now, one of the themes today, and you're joining the show late, Bick's been talking about heft and size <laughs> for the Canucks. And in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, this could be a bit of a trick question too. Who's the meanest, meanest and heftiest player that might be available at nine where the Canucks are? And also, who could be the most boring player picked at number nine? <laughs> oh, and I'm not sure what man. the definition of boring is, but it, 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 I'll throw uh, that one at you. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, ideally, boring players don't go in the top ten, but that's, I think, <laughs> I think I'll, just, I'll just throw out the name that I think if anyone's going to reach on them, and it would be not surprising to me, but... I came away thinking constantly watching them all year that they were just boring. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but then, you know, went to Moscow back to play for CSKA and his game completely transformed and he was not particularly effective. And it really felt like his coach was just like, if you ever cross the center line with the puck, I am going to bench you because he just never, ever, ever did anything really through the neutral zone um, with the puck, with the puck on his stick, unless he was in the junior levels. Uh, it just really felt like in the KHL, it was puck retrieval, first pass, and then just don't pass the puck to Daniil, and, uh, unless it's in the offensive zone where he shoots the puck constantly. Um, but I, I look at that and I go, okay, maybe there's a guy here who at times is boring, but for good reasons, and he's just sort of a solid defensive guy. I think there's more in the tank there, but that's the guy where I constantly came away thinking like, man, this guy plays really boring hockey, um, but he's gigantic and had a really good year in Guelph last year and went to the World Juniors. So maybe a team is going to jump on him early uh, and, and capitalize on the sort of uh, deflated perception of him, I guess you could say. And if we want to talk like meanies in the top 10, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to identify that in young guys, and not a lot of them are really elite players and have that streak to them, though. Mason McTavish is the guy that I think exemplifies it pretty well. I'm tr I'm looking through my list and I'm trying to see guys where I've directly seen kind of do that kind of thing. There isn't a ton of it. And I think McTavish is that 
that guy of all of them. Outside of that, there there isn't a whole lot, I don't think. Maybe a Simon Edmondson from time to time, but yeah, definitely McTavish, I think, but I'm not sure he'll be there at nine. Okay, let me rephrase that boring question then. then. Uh, <laughs> rather than say, hey, a, a guy that doesn't do a lot on the ice but has skills, like who's someone that in your mind is like can't miss? And that doesn't mean like, hey, high-end Owen Power, you can't miss him. Like, right. It could be a guy that you look at and say, hey, he's clearly going to be a third or fourth line center. And it's kind of a boring evaluation in that, in that aspect. Is there anyone that fits that mold for you that you look at and think he's going to be an NHL or I'm just not sure the ceiling is there for him? Um, I get the feeling that a Carson Lambos will be a guy who may not be a top pair guy or, or maybe, you know, a guy you want playing major top four minutes all of the time. But I do think that he'll be a player and a, and a decent defensive player, you know, who can make passes pretty effectively. Maybe not the best offensive guy in the NHL, but it's not impossible. Um, and I think that that's kind of that style of player. You know, Matthew Coronado might be another one of those where, you know, he scored a lot of points this year, but I'm not so sure it's going to translate to the NHL. He's a hardworking guy, though. He earns everything he gets, um, but it doesn't look super flashy when he does it a ton of times. Sometimes he thinks creatively on the fly and, and has that sort of Ken Johnson-style adaptability, um, just kind of scaled back a little bit and just doesn't come out as often. So those two guys are kind of guys where I'm sitting back going, I could see both of these guys maybe on your second pair or a good third line guy or a fine second line winger. Um, you, you could see that potentially, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be uh, hitting up highlight gifts in, in the future uh, very much. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650, 650. If you have a question for Will, this one in here from Kyle from Vancouver, any late round goalie targets for the Canucks? Okay, um, sure. So late round goalie targets. There's, you know, there's a few I would say that you could maybe take a flyer on. I like Alexei Kolosov, the goalie. Uh, he's Belarusian, played for the team this year. He was a guy I had my eye on last year and went undrafted. Um, Kirill Garasimyuk had a bad five minutes in the first period of the under 18 and got pulled and never saw the ice again. And I think that means that, you know, teams are going to be undervaluing a guy like that because he stopped a ton of pucks uh, for SKA's junior team, or sorry, SKA's bad junior team. They have two junior teams. They have a good one and a bad one. He played on the bad one, stopped like 40 shots a night um, and still managed to only let in like three, which to me, you know, obviously you don't want your goalie giving up three shots a night, but when you're facing almost 50 shots in a game, it's not the end of the world. Um, and he's a guy that I think people might be forgetting about because of his under 18 performance. But I mean, I don't know, you draft him and, and see what happens. The data on him looks good as well. Uh, if you want someone North American, uh, I cannot for the life of me pronounce his name, uh, but Owen Barstokovitz, Barstokovitz uh, with the Wichita, Wichita Falls. Wow. Let me try that again. Wichita Falls Warriors. Uh, which is the NAHL team. Uh, I think they're an expansion team as well. He put up really, really good numbers in a league where guys like Connor Hellebuck have come out of when they were drafted uh, under another guy who's faced a lot of heavy workloads because it is um, it is a uh, it is an expansion team. So those three guys are the guys that I might look at a little bit more uh, towards the end of the draft for sure. I mean, I, I love Dmitry Nikolaev as well. This is his last year of draft eligibility. He was a great goaltender for uh, FKA St. Petersburg's uh, minor league team, and he stopped a lot of pucks, saved a lot, you know, faced a lot of pucks as well. So 
there's a few goalies that I target with late round picks, um, but it's a it's a relatively light year for goalies, I think, this year outside of the top guys. Uh, Mike in Maple Ridge uh, with a question about a, a guy who's the the reverse of that hefty center we were talking about earlier, uh, Logan Stankoven. Uh, where are you at with him? Well, I mean, do you want to book me in for the next like hour and a half? Because I'll talk <laughs> Logan Stankoven for an hour and a half if you want. Uh, I think he's great. I mean, I I think that you know, like I get it. You can look at him in this five foot seven and go ah whatever. He's not going to work out. Uh, and I know plenty of players who are, I think, as good as Logan Stankoven, who people said the same thing and where they look a little bit silly now. You know, I, I look at him and think that the data that I tracked on him, I didn't get to do a ton because he didn't play a ton of games. But the data I tracked on him is just spectacular. He's fantastic. Um, his shooting metrics, his passing metrics, his transitions offensively. You know, he's a bit he's a bit inactive in play. He can get left behind in, in quick turn situations, play turns around one way or the other. He might not get the jump that he needs to be a five foot seven or eight guy in that rush, but once he gets moving and 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 once he has the puck on his stick, he's a magician, I think. And you know, he's going to need to get stronger for sure. But he's a guy who, if he had played a full season this year, I could easily see him being a guy that would be higher than he is on my list, which is fourteen. Um, I think he's great. I think if he's outside the first round this year, it doesn't matter where I'm picking. If it, you know, you you try to land him. I think. Because uh, I think he's one of those five foot seven, five foot eight guys that can work uh, in the NHL. He works his tail off. He puts in the work. He can shoot. He can pass. There's so much to like about him. I thought he was great at the under 18. And uh, yeah, I, 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 again, I could talk about him forever. But he's a guy that I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, it might be the same answer then for this next question from Gary. Uh, your biggest sleeper in this year's draft? Well, yeah, it might be him. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a you, I mean, he's probably the biggest one, especially considering I'm seeing him, you know, outside the first round and central scouting has him at 31 in North America, which kind of puts him in the middle of the second round. Um, I'm looking at names that I think are a little bit undervalued here outside of him. I want to put my chips in on Scott Morrow, uh, the defenseman from Shattuck St. Mary's. I know some people have him sort of deeper into the second round, even further back than that. But I think that that's a guy where you believe in him and try to get on his level and try to patch the holes in his defensive game. You know, you're, you're Vancouver folks. And I remember Niels Hoglander when he was draft eligible and you wanted him to put in the work and, and, the, and the speed and the skill that he had offensively when he didn't have the puck too. And that was sort of the weakness. But you could tell if he just puts it together and just plays that full 200-foot game a little bit more you'll get rewarded for it. And now look at where he is. And I think with Scott Morrow, he's a defenseman, but the same kind of traits are there. Um, and I think that he's a very unique player that, you know, if, if he's the guy where Vancouver picks him in the second round high uh, because he flips to that range, at least relative to my list, you could do a lot worse, I think, than him and take the bet, let him go to college for a couple of years and develop. But yeah, I think on this one, the easy answer for me is, is Logan Stankoven. He is uh, Will Scouch. Ten more days till the NHL draft. Make sure you check him out on Twitter and on YouTube at Scouching. Uh, his interactive uh, uh, session it goes tomorrow. So if you have any questions, I know we got a bunch here. Uh, we couldn't get to them all. Send them in to, to Will tomorrow uh, at Scouching. Uh, Will, thanks a lot. We'll talk soon, man. Oh, thank you very much. Talk to you later. One of the best, Will Scouch, uh, again, at Scouching on Twitter and uh, for the Chasing High Danger podcast and McKean's Hockey as well. Uh, we got to run here. 
People Show on the way. Dan and Randeep today. Elliot Friedman's coming up at 3.30 instead of uh, traditionally at 4 o'clock. And then we'll make way for uh, the MLB All-Star Game. A bunch of Jays taking the field uh, at the MLB All-Star Game at 4.30. We'll bring it to you live here on Sportsnet 650. But the People Show on the way next here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.